Welcome to the Modern Hippie Podcast, where we'll be exploring all of my favorite boundary-pushing people and topics surrounding consciousness, psychedelics, mental performance, functional medicine, living in alignment, and so much more. I'm your host, Barrett Perlman, a former pro wakeboarder turned body worker, energy healer, and well, a modern hippie. And I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to the Modern Hippie Podcast. I am joined today by my dear sister, Leah Drew, who is a pain management specialist and trauma-informed massage therapist and healing guide. Thank you so much for joining me today, Leah. Yeah, Barrett. Thank you for having me. I always love being here with you as I really just love being anywhere with you. <laughs> True facts. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the second time you've been on the podcast now. And I think last time we really deep dove into the beautiful story work that you helped me do to um, heal from something I didn't realize was traumatizing me through all my relationships. And um Yeah, you just have so many beautiful tools in your toolkit to help people navigate their traumas, navigate what's keeping them from feeling safe in their bodies. Um, What started you on a journey to seeking out these sorts of tools and modalities? Mm, Yeah, I'm very grateful for all the tools that I have in my toolbox. And it is my goal to help people learn how to build those toolboxes and add all the tools into them <laughs> so that they, you know, when they need them, they can open up their toolbox and like find the tool that they need and take it out and, and use it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, I really got sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's, mm. that's really what it comes down to. I was tired of feeling out of control over my experience within my body. I was tired of feeling anxiety and depression. I was tired of feeling chronic pain. I was tired of having bodily responses that just weren't normal or grounded and more so were unpleasant. And I got tired of not knowing what to do for myself. Mm. And, you know, when I got to that place, if you want to call it ground zero, where you just throw your hands in the air and say, you know what, I'm fucking done. You know, that's really when you start to implement major, major changes and major shifts in your life, in your health, in your business, and whatever it is that's not feeling good for you and is not feeling aligned and that's when I started seeking more. I started seeking more support with movement and more support with my mental health and started learning and seeking out as much education and taking courses and and doing everything I possibly could to become more aware, more informed, and more educated so that I could better show up and support myself through all of the things I was navigating at the time. And yeah, I would say that's really what started me on this journey of mindful healing and feeling well. And when I don't feel well, having the ability to 
hit the pause button, take a step back and observing myself, my body, my mind, my emotions, my energy, and discerning what exactly I need in each moment to support myself, to bring myself back into balance. Mm. What have uh, what are three of your biggest go-to tools right now that help mm. you tap into that space that um, that you're like, okay, I know that this is a pretty fail-proof tool for me right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always shift and change. And depending on what it is that I'm experiencing, I'll often choose a different tool. Mm-hmm. And I would say more recently, a couple that have been more commonly reached for have been smells. I've been reaching a lot for my Mm. lavender essential oil and my Palo Santo. There's something Mm. really powerful about a smell and its ability to ground you into the present moment. Mm -hmm. I've also been using my breath, which is something I always reach for and always tap into and tune into actually my, um, my logo for mind body with Leah looks like the set of wings and people think that they're like a butterfly or wings and the actual origin of the golden wings is your rib cage that houses your diaphragm and protects your diaphragm because breath is that connection of the mind and body it is that ability to bring you from sympathy to parasympathy to be in the present realm and the spirit realm all simultaneously and um, yeah, there was something really powerful for me about the rib cage, which protects that breath, which houses that breath, which is literally the home for your breath, for your diaphragm. And, you know, when I think about that, it's, I just, gold is the colors that always came to me. Anyways, I'm going on a tangent now about my wings. Um <laughs> But it's great because I I love your logo and I never knew that about your logo. I always thought it was wings or butterfly, which butterfly is your spirit animal Mm -hmm. as well. So both things made sense to me. And now you're adding this rib cage layer to it (laughs) that is just just five more degrees of awesomeness. (laughs) I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) Yeah. So I would say um, smells, my breath. And organization. And that's an interesting and newer one for me is utilizing organization to create more regulation. And just Mm. with where I'm at in my life right now, with all the moving and the shifting and the changing that's gone on right now, organization has been bringing me a sense of ground, a sense of peace, a sense of ease, and a sense of calm. Mm. That's beautiful. And for my listeners who are probably unaware, Leah has moved one, two, three times since November. All right. Is that correct? Yeah. You left me here in Southern California Mm -hmm. and you went to Salt Lake City, moved in somewhere, had to immediately move again about a month or two later, thought you'd be there for a while. And all of a sudden that lease um, abruptly came to an end. And now you have moved on to Colorado 
And so I think anyone who's listening does not fucking blame you in the slightest for <laughs> um, being super over packing up your car yeah. and moving all of your life for the third time, um, which can be incredibly unsettling. Like what, what has yeah. that process felt like for you? Yeah, it has been a lot to say the least. Um, and in total, if we're counting places I've stayed in for a week minimum or a week maximum, we'll say. <laughs> Both. Um, yeah, I've lived in at least seven different places since somewhere, since October. Um, Fuck. Yeah. And some of them I knew were temporary. Others I thought were more long-term and ended up not being. Thankfully, I'm now in a place in Colorado that is going to be a little bit more long-term for me. And it feels really good. It feels, mm. it feels really nice to finally have a sense of that peace and that calm and that relaxation in my life. Because it has been a lot. It's been really challenging on my mental body. It's been really challenging on my physical body. It's been stressful having your sense of home sometimes just ripped away from you with the, you know, the drop of a hat. It's like the having the rug pulled out from underneath you with all of your things in your life on it. And thankfully, I don't have a whole lot of things to my name, which I tend to like a little bit more is living a little bit more minimalistic. Um, mm -hmm. but it's still dysregulating, you know, to change homes, to change routines, to change environments. You know, when you move to a new place, you get to restructure and re-implement all of your routines. And as anyone who travels knows and understands, it can be really hard to stick to your routines when you're traveling. Mm -hmm. Really hard to do so. And part of that is because when your environment changes, it becomes more challenging to hold the same routines that you hold in a stable environment. And so it's been really challenging for me to keep up on my routines. It's been hard for me to stay up on top of my meditating, on my, my nutrition on my exercise mm. routine. It's been really challenging for me to stay on top of my work schedule because so much has been shifting and changing and I didn't necessarily know where I was going to be one day over the other. And my working memory had to hold so much at any given time <laughs> because I didn't have the foundation to hold all the things energetically. And, you know, I'll, I'll definitely say I, I'm, I've learned a lot about what my working memory is capable of, <laughs> um, which has been really empowering in a lot of ways. But yeah, it's been, it's been really challenging and also really beautiful to, again, learn about a lot of different things that I was capable of that I really didn't necessarily know I was capable of, right? It's like, that ceiling that I thought was like here is actually like up here. Mm. And so that aspect of it has been really empowering. And, you know, I've had to utilize the tools when I've needed them. 
And, you know, something that I've been talking about lately as well is like there's this difference in the ability to process and integrate something while you're going through it and Mm. after you've gone through it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was in the space where I needed to constantly integrate while going through the experience, which is not always easy, but you're kind of just like keeping yourself going and keeping yourself going and keeping yourself going. And then when I got here last week, I just like fucking chilled for a second and put my feet up and I was like, oh my God. It's like, I don't have to keep going right now. Like I can just relax. And so the last week has been me balancing, just totally relaxing and recovering. And I think I watched like three of the Matrix movies over the last week. (laughs) I hope you watch the good ones because the new one sucks. (laughs) Yeah, actually the newest one is the one that I haven't watched yet. So. Oh, good. Skip it. (laughs) I feel like I've gotten through three. I have to watch the fourth one now. Okay, you insist. <laughs> oh, but but yeah, it's been a beautiful process, and I feel like, um, you know, oftentimes people refer to this feeling of like being in a vortex, and mm. I kept getting the sensation that like I was the vortex, which is, Ooh. I don't totally understand what that means. It's just that I have this vision of a Tasmanian devil. Right. And so like you are the one in your life that's spinning around and around in circles and it's just sucking all the chaos into it. Yeah. So it's a matter of, and this is something that I've been talking about over the last couple of weeks with one of my friends and mentors, Nathan Kohlerman is creating a container for that chaos. Hmm. Yeah. And what is that like a program to drop into when you, um, feel like everything's out of control around you or do you elaborate on that container? Yeah. I think creating a container for that chaos can mean a lot of different things, but for an example, right. Having all these tools that, you know, are supportive for you. And one of my tools is dance and Mm, I haven't had a ton of time and space to dance the way that I really love to. And one of the things that Nathan and I have been talking about around creating that container. I I want to send some love and honor the beautiful dog who's in the background at your home. (laughs) Yes. For those of you who hear it, we love our pet friends and they make guest appearances all the time. They do. I'm going (laughs) to... We're going to walk. We're going to let the the pup outside because she doesn't seem super happy right now. Um, Yeah, but one of the examples that that I have is, right, so this aspect of dance that I absolutely love and that's really important to me. Instead of choosing to go to a dance class when I need it and when I need to move my body and it's like, oh, my God, I need this now. Instead of going when I feel I need it, going on a weekly basis so that by the time – I need it. I've already gone. Mm. And I think that's a beautiful aspect of like creating a container for anything, right? And you can take organization and you can implement organization or apply organization to this concept as well, right? Instead of cleaning when your house is incredibly dirty and messy, cleaning every night for 20 minutes so that your house doesn't end up getting super dirty and messy. 
And so Mm -hmm. I think this concept of creating a container for the chaos can be really powerful in any healing experience, in any journey, because it prevents you from getting to that like ground zero. It prevents you from getting to that place where you're like, clawing out of the the experience because you're like oh my god this is so much um i love your embodiment of clawing just then for if you're only listening what a bummer (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so creating that container for the chaos can be really powerful because instead of using the tool when you absolutely need it you're using it regularly so you don't get to the place where you absolutely need it and it's just mm-hmm. helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, proactively taking those those steps to avoid hitting that rock bottom or that level 10 of chaos so that you mm-hmm. can constantly be chipping away at your own stability um, yeah. and even feeling feeling safe in your own body. Yeah, and I love that you bring that up, that concept of proactivity because that's one of my my major goals in in my life is helping people understand how to care for themselves proactively instead of reactively and we live in a world that is reactive we live in a world that reacts to pain that reacts to health conditions that reacts to learning disabilities right that reacts to the problem versus being proactive so that the problem never becomes a problem, right? Mm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really grateful to be doing what I'm doing in my life right now because I'm getting to support people with learning how to shift from that place of being reactive to implementing in a more proactive way. Mm. Yes. I love that. And, uh, yeah, it's got me reflecting on on my practice, and I could personally use a little more proactivity in what I'm doing. Um, my last few months have been uh, from like December, January, have sort of been um, an ego death as mm. I'm zooming out and looking at it from the macro perspective right now. The things that I went through in the Amazon on my last ayahuasca retreat and not getting the depth of the medicine that I desired and really breaking down about um, what I was receiving that my shaman Hamilton Souther was uh, describing to me of what he was witnessing in my experience. It was just heartbreaking for me too. Uh, the word that he used was gluttony. And that really kind of drove a stake through my heart and made me not want to do it all anymore. And um, so finally having to shed that, shed the ego, literally shed the ego around the medicine and what I thought I desired and instead open up to surrendering to the lesson the medicine wanted to teach me and leaving then the ayahuasca retreat, not feeling in my full, in my full essence, um, because I had spent so much of the retreat seeking something that wasn't being delivered to me. And And I had thought the retreat in and of itself would put me back in my full essence because the first time I went, it completely unlocked me. And so I had this grandiose idea of the the magnitude of the beauty that I would exit in and instead left feeling like just barely, like I got just enough to keep on my path. 
um, and coming home and having lots of things change and shift in my business to, yeah, there's a lot more I could be doing to be proactive at the Mm -hmm. moment. Um, but I think for me, plant medicines are, uh, proactive and one of my biggest tools that I use, um, also because I facilitate them. So I'm constantly dropping in with other clients in that space and in doing so, um, that really brings me presence, that brings me grounding, that brings me happiness and feeling like I'm on my path. But um, I also haven't been moving seven times like you did. <laughs> but I, I know everyone's spectrum and, and range for what they can handle um, is different. But I'm so I'm curious, <sighs> what has, um, so you mentioned dance. You mentioned breathing, you mentioned uh, scents, and those were things that, um, tools that you turned to for feeling grounded, feeling in your body. Um, So what, now that you have a home, do you think the tools, uh, what tools are starting to call to you now? Yeah, so one of the things I'm shifting into more is my meditation practice, getting back into my routine of sitting at my altar, sitting in my, my peaceful space and my sacred space, we'll say, and being Mm -hmm. with myself on a daily basis. It's something that I've missed dearly and it's really not the same for me. Yes. Meditation you can do anywhere, but it's different when you've created a practice, you know, at your sacred altar and your sacred space and you go there, right. To be with yourself. It's different than, you know, taking five minutes in a car, or, you know, popping in your mm. headphones on the plane. And so meditation, absolutely. Swimming. I'm so excited to get back in the pool. That is my absolute happy place. I joke around, which is not really a joke, but I say that I'm better at I am swimming than I am walking. Um, <laughs> that might not be a joke. It's definitely not a joke at all. It's, it's totally true. But meanwhile, I'm walking down the road trying to figure out my right hip is not activating. <laughs> yeah. So getting back in the pool, I'm really excited to do that. Um, actually, my plan is to do that tomorrow. And that is for me just the place where nothing else matters. I am. One of the beautiful things about being in the pool, and this is something I realized later on in my life, and for those of you that aren't familiar with me or haven't, uh, don't follow me, I grew up a very competitive swimmer. I swam on two different teams going through middle school, high school, and I did it every day, five days a week, give or take. Mm. And I didn't understand how much benefit it gave me going through some of the most challenging years of my childhood with all the trauma I was moving through and processing and experiencing um, until I was older. And I don't know, let's say five years ago, I came to the realization that I was like, wow, when I'm in the pool, I literally can't think about anything else because I'm counting my laps. I'm focusing on my stroke. I'm feeling held by the water. And if I start thinking about something else, then I lose count of my laps. And so it becomes, for me, swimming is this very meditative experience. And I believe we are all 
meant to be in the water. We were born in water. Mm. We were developed in water. And being in water gives, I think, ourselves, ourselves, this ability to just like relax and be held kind of literally like being held by another human. When you're held by another human that you trust, you just soften, you relax. Mm. And I believe that your cells are the same way with water. And so, yeah, swimming is a very meditative experience for me as is dance. I enter flow state and the entire world disappears. And Mm. if you don't know what flow state is, or you don't, haven't found exactly what it is that allows you to enter into flow state, I highly encourage you to feel free to reach out and chat with me about flow state. I know Barrett knows about flow state as well as she's a, it has a past as a professional wakeboarder. She is a avid surfer. And I also (laughs) didn't realize that you only started surfing three years ago. Yeah. Isn't that wild? I'm just um, kind of a sick competitive fuck. (laughs) And so I really... (laughs) I really uh, I d- dropped in on surfing and I was like, oh my God, I suck at this so badly and I need to not suck at this in order to enjoy. I didn't even enjoy surfing for the first six months I did it. For the first six months, I was just showing up and paddling. I still don't I enjoy like, it. Never, well, you you got to give it six months of paddling. <laughs> really? like, I was like, how do I expedite this process? And I was like, okay, at least I love the ocean and mm-hmm. at least there's a shit ton of dolphins out here. And I would be out there on days that were way too big for me on a board not meant for the conditions. And I would paddle. I would just, I would drive an hour down from Hollywood to Huntington Beach. And I wish, I just like wished all the time that I had like a plaque on my chest that said, just here to paddle. Because I felt like I was, <laughs> I was earning it. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and um, you know, so with surfing, like, you know, I'll ask, are you, when you're riding a wave, when you're in the process of paddling to the wave, getting the wave, getting on the top of the wave and like riding that wave, are you literally capable of thinking about anything else other than like that wave in that exact moment? Nope, absolutely not. If you have too many thoughts, you're just going to pop right out. Everything's going to go wrong. I mean, and the amount of times that you're you're dropping in and things go wrong. And mm-hmm. so you need to be very present to um, what I love about flow state is when things go wrong for me, my time slows so down. And like I can feel my board shoot out from behind me and I can immediately imagine where my board is traveling to so that I can get the fuck out of its way so that it doesn't hit me in the head, limb, something. It could, you know, I have friends that have been to the hospital for stitches that have broken bones that I have taken one to the face that actually gave me facial paralysis for um, like a week. Uh, Actually, and now I'm not actually so sure that it all came back. But (laughs) so, yeah, you just to drop in and be so present on those moments are so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's something that you, you, have to be intentional about to enter it, right? And you have to be aware of like, mm-hmm. what are you seeking out to enter that flow state? It's not just going to come as you're doing your day. It's not going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so like flow state is one of those things that I definitely encourage people to seek out to support themselves in, in, in those to- with those tools, right? It's one of those tools you can use and reach for to find um, a more balanced and a more regulated state. Um, so yeah, I'll say flow state is one of the other things that I'm, I'm incorporating right now. Um, 
I want to add a tool into that flow state, which is yeah. art and mm. something that I've recently drawn a person into my life who is an exceptional artist and he's been giving me art lessons and we've been having art nights and um, I suck at it and it's just phenomenal even sucking at it to drop in on art and to really be paying attention about where you're putting that circle, that line. Um, so like it doesn't have to be a physical ability for anyone who's listening. There's so many ways to tap into flow state that can be mm -hmm. playing an instrument, um, doing art. It can be writing. Um, there's, it can be cooking. Um, so that flow state is just really that place where you drop in and you don't see anything else except for what you're doing. I love that. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought up art because it is, it is such a beautiful way of supporting yourself and finding flow state and, or moving through emotional processing. Art's a beautiful route of doing that. And I think it's interesting that you, that you feel that you suck at art because <laughs> I just, I just personally don't feel like that's like a, a thing. Like, I don't think you can actually suck at art because your art sure. is your art, right? Like whatever moves through you and comes through you is what is meant to be. And, you know, when you're comparing this aspect of like being good at art or being bad at art, right? You, oftentimes I see people say, oh, I'm bad at art because my art doesn't look like that. This beautiful mm. painting or experience or something that they're comparing themselves to, and self comparison is ultimately self sabotage. And mm. like, I went walked through an art museum a couple of weeks ago, and I looked at some of these art pieces, and I was like, "How the fuck did that end up on the wall?" <laughs> like. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, it's beautiful. Like, I loved the art. Like, by no means mm -hmm. am I making fun of the art at all. But I was just kind of like, I could have done that, you know? Mm. And so... I have I, some of your art on my wall, actually. What art did I put on your wall? What? what, well, what? <laughs> you drew a card for me one year for Christmas, I think. Like, my gratitude oh, yeah. card. And it stays living over my, over my desk because I... Just and it's and it's so simple, right? There's like watercolor in the background. You did some triangle <laughs> with some like mandala things in mm -hmm. it, and um, but I just I love it so much because it was like your expression of gratitude for our mm -hmm. our friendship, our siblingship, our same energy ship, <laughs> our witch ship, whatever do you want, whatever yeah. you want to call it. <laughs> it's all of it. I just I love it all. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when you're working on learning how to regulate yourself, there's so many ways to do that. Some people find flow state in cooking, mm. right? You know, there's, there's just, there's endless ways of learning how to support yourself, breath, meditation, movement, writing, art, you know, exercise, singing, playing music. Mm. There's there's endless ways of self learning how to regulate yourself and tools to regulate yourself. And where the discernment really comes in is when you need to navigate or you get to navigate, I'll say, 
what tool do, do I need right now? Tuning into yourself, mm-hmm. tuning into your body. W- what does my body need? What does my mind need? Like what is going to be most supportive for me in this moment through this experience with what I'm doing right now? Because sometimes, and I was having this conversation with a potential client the other day, sometimes you get to choose a tool that you may not necessarily know you need, but that is going to support you in the moment because things might be going on. You might be in a class, you might be in a meeting, you might be in the middle of working with a client, whatever you're doing, right? You might not be able to do the thing that you know is going to support you most in the moment. Mm. And so choosing a tool that's going to support you until you can get to the place where you can create the space to do that Thing that you know is what you need and is going to be most supportive for you in in processing or moving through the experience, and you know that kind of goes into what we we're what we were talking a little bit about earlier around like sometimes right there's this difference between processing in the moment and processing once you've move already moved through the experience. And so those are two different understandings of processing and supporting yourself and being able to discern between what is it that I need when I'm out of this experience that's going to be most supportive for me. And if I can't get out of the experience right now to do that, what can I do for myself right now that's going mm-hmm. to support me in getting to that place? And I think that's where you've tapped on, for instance, like the wonderful tool of breath, because yeah, if you're sitting in a client meeting, not a great time to get up and dance. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a big shift if you do that, you know? Might be fun though. Definitely something I would do. (laughs) Pause. Maybe they join you. (laughs) Dance break. (laughs) And maybe they join you. Who knows? Maybe it'd be a massively bonding moment. Um, But but you're right. Something that you could do is... Take a deep breath and just sit with that. I had a couple clients in my breathwork group today who, from coming to my breathwork sessions, realized that they were never, they'd been breathing wrong their whole lives. And now that they've discovered how to breathe into their diaphragms, they're out in the world um, taking breaths now and noticing that uh, times when their anxiety would be ramping up, they can take a step back and take a a deep breath into their diaphragm and that anxiety actually begins to dissipate. And I'm, I'm working with them specifically at like a, a, a wellness center that specifically works with people with anxiety and PTSD and trauma. And, um, this is really incredibly life-changing for them to have that tool that they can use anywhere. And, um, I think this is a really fun segue into the work that you're doing now on a grander international scale. Um, so Leah is helping to develop b- better ideas around wellness with the Ukraine. Tell me about exactly what it is you're doing. Yeah, I'm super excited to tell you about this. And um So right now, I am working with a nonprofit called Global Community Corps, and we are working with the biggest nonprofit that is based in Ukraine um, called Ilios Ukraine. And about two weeks ago, 
right before I moved to Colorado, I went out to the East Coast and I met up with one of the head chaplains of the Ukrainian military and his partner, who both simultaneously run Ilios Ukraine, that largest nonprofit in Ukraine that supports um, a lot of different components. But what we are doing is we are collaborating with them to create a model that supports psychological and spiritual resilience. What does that mean? That means we are working to support every aspect of Ukraine from the first responders, doctors, nurses, paramedics, to the soldiers, to the soldiers' families, and the civilians of the country. And what we're doing is bringing them education, bringing them knowledge, bringing them support, bringing them tools to better help themselves, better help their communities, and better help those in need with processing what's going on, processing their trauma, supporting them with stress management management, um, and emotional regulation, and ultimately supporting them with the through the effects of an active war in Ukraine. So I'm really grateful to be working on this project. The hope is to utilize this model as the model for other countries to follow suit in and follow suit with. Because again, coming back to what we were talking about earlier, mental health support and wellness support, whether that be physical, mental, emotional, or energetic, it gets to be proactive. And so bringing this support from a place of reactivity to proactivity is ultimately what's going to save our world, save our society, our our communities. And so I I feel really grateful to be a part of this project. It was very eye-opening being able to communicate directly with individuals who are on the front lines of Ukraine. The head chaplain of the military is on the front lines of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And it is... It, it, it's heart aching. It's just the word that comes to me. Seeing the, the footage, the raw footage and learning about his stories and, you know, the little ways in which they're doing everything they can to keep people going and keep people moving and um, bring little sparks of joy to their lives. You know, he has videos of them marching, you know, through fields, holding a speaker, dancing You know, there's just these ways that he's trying to bring goodness to people that are not experiencing good things. And so, you know, do they have a lot of tools already? Yes. And the goal is to bring them as many tools as we possibly can and to make these tools accessible. And part of the problem right now is that a lot of people in Ukraine are still without power. And very commonly, they go without power. So now it's a matter of, you know, how can we also get power to people so that they can get support and be a part of communities and be able to engage with one another? And so now you're looking at energy generation, generators, different forms of energy support. So there's a lot of aspects to 
what we are doing within Ukraine. And I just feel super grateful to be a part of this project for a lot of reasons. Some I mentioned already, um, my lineage, my, my ancestors are from Ukraine. My grandfather's mm-hmm. parents came from um, two major places that things are uh, that happening over there, um, Kiev and Dnipro. And when they were seven, eight years old, they came to the States from, um, from Ukraine. And so there's an aspect that I get to support some of my own family. And I'm sure that I still have family over there that I don't know. And I'm not sure of. Um, and then, right. There's, there's this aspect of like giving back and supporting people that can't support themselves. And, you know, it's just, it makes me feel good. It gives me a sense of greater purpose to be able to do something like this. Um, so yeah, that that's what I'm doing in Ukraine. We are working on um, implementing this model and we are seeking individuals who feel really called to be a part of supporting the mental health and spiritual resilience of those that are in Ukraine. So we are accepting donations through Global Community Core, and I can certainly give you the link mm. for anybody that feels called to donate to the project. Everything matters. Um, you know, 50 cents a dollar, that helps too. So if you haven't been totally sure on how you can support the experience that is happening over there, this is a great way to do so. It's going directly into... Um, supporting the military and the civilians through this nonprofit in Ukraine and through direct work that we're doing with the military. Mm, How wonderful. I will definitely link that up in the show notes and be making a donation myself. Mm. So I'm glad that you shared that and um, how lucky the Ukraine is to have you I think you're so incredibly equipped with many tools to help many people in many different circumstances. And I also have much of my heritage that is Ukrainian. So I'm very passionate about what you're doing. And um, I think it's what an interesting um, wrench in the program of sharing this knowledge with people that to identify that they're like predominantly without power, you know, that sure there's the material and now you need to get it to people which is a hurdle in and of itself and get them to practice it and get them to adopt it but um they're also missing some of maslov's basic hierarchy of needs yeah and so what does it take then for them to feel safe enough in the little literal structure surrounding them that they can have even the mental wherewithal to go now how do i feel safe inside and mentally and emotionally Yeah. And they're facing a really different set of circumstances right now, right? Because a lot of times, like, they unfortunately don't have the time and the the mental capacity or they they can't really process. Somebody dies and that's it. They're dead. We need to keep moving forward. Like, yeah, it's Mm. sad, but they don't have the really the time right now to, like, sit and mourn and because that could pull them out of the intention of, you know, supporting their country, especially if we're talking about the soldiers right now. 
And one of the things I love so much about what Elios Ukraine is doing is um, they've set up multiple um, multiple stations, um, support facilities, we'll call them, around Ukraine to um, to house people that do need that safer space. And, you know, one of the things that they're seeing a lot of over there is Unfortunately, a lot of the Russian soldiers are using sexual assault um, as mm. a weapon of war. And so a lot of women oh are being battered and sexually assaulted. And so there are very specific facilities, support facilities that Elias Ukraine has set up specifically for women who have experienced rape and sexual assault. And they're creating as much as they possibly can that space and that ground so that people can get the support that they need um, when they need it. And so it's, it really is amazing being able to collaborate with them, learning about what they already have, learning what they don't have and what their needs are. And they're open to literally any and every modality, which is beautiful Mm -hmm. to see and to witness. And um, I, I hope that that approach becomes more widely accepted in the near future um, within the world around us, not just within Ukraine. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of change is facilitated quickly is when someone is in acute need, they're more likely ready to make big and drastic changes faster. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like we I said before, you know, we our hope is that this model becomes adopted by many other countries that are not necessarily in acute need before we find ourselves in acute need, because there are things that are happening in our world and resources are quickly dwindling as much as nobody really wants to talk about that. Like in the next 10, 20, 30 years, we're going to find ourselves in trouble if we don't figure out how to make our support more proactive, right? Make our own food, grow our own food, support ourselves with our own products. Like there's things that we can start doing and implementing that um, that Ukraine is is ready to do now because of what they're they're navigating. Mm. So yeah, I'm I'm very grateful and um, it's been a very life changing experience already, and I'm excited to see how this model expands in the next couple of months and couple of years. Yeah. So beautiful. And, and I'm excited to watch, watch that alongside you and see how they implement it how it grows and how we could essentially reform international wellness mm-hmm. in that regards. Um, I know that America where you and I currently live is could use a lot of that. Um, and it's, it's been nice to see things slowly popping up and changing, but, um, what's happening with Ukraine is just next level. And so what are, what are your next steps with that? Yeah. So the head of global community core, her name is Dr. Laura Vanderberg, and she has taken me on, um, to continue to support her in supporting this model. And her and I are gonna continue working together, creating the model, um, structuring out what that looks like, navigating how we can 
deliver this model and to who we need to deliver to because there are different segments of people that it needs to be delivered to slightly differently. And so, yeah, we're just going to continue to show up and um, make this happen. Cool. And I even see some similarities, I'm sure, that could be drawn between what you're you're offering them in these um, PTSD situations and what we could be offering people at home as well who have not necessarily war trauma, but similar um, sexual assault trauma, mm-hmm. similar um, parental abuse, uh, any of those sorts of things that um, – what is one of your go-to – abuse trauma tools? Yeah. So things I often recommend, I mean, meditation is always going to be high up on that list. Meditation is shown to be incredibly supportive and beneficial uh, for supporting those that are experiencing PTSD. And it's important to note that PTSD, like you said, does not necessarily need to be from war. Most people Mm -hmm. experience some form of trauma or PTSD in their life to some extent. That can be big, that can be small. It's on a spectrum. And being able to utilize something like meditation, something like yoga, something like dance, right? Something like um, hot or cold therapies. There's so many ways Mm. to bring support to somebody that's navigating stress and trauma. Um, and it's something that I've been fascinated with my entire life. I have been studying PTSD and the effects of PTSD on the physical body, on the actual brain itself. And as I've been looking at the tools that support with reducing the symptoms and experience and intensity of PTSD since high school. Um, high school, my senior project was on this. Mm-hmm. Going through college, my studies were in pre-med and health psychology, and I focused on mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques, which are ultimately a long and complicated way of talking about techniques that downregulate the experience of stress and trauma. And it's what my work is based on. It is what my 16-week group program, the Mind Body Initiative, is here to do. It is here to teach people how to be more confident and more effective self-healers by understanding the foundations of trauma, how trauma affects the physical body, not just trauma, but stress in any way, shape, or form, how it affects the nervous system, the brain, and how it can lead to chronic pain, chronic inflammation. And the program is geared towards educating people on the foundations of the tools that they can start to use to support themselves with movement, with mental health, with mindset, with energy support, and learning how to become a self-empowered healer is what I call it. And Mm -hmm. when you can feel more empowered over your ability to heal yourself and support your mind and your own physical body, you feel more able to show up in life. And you feel more able to find joy in every day. And you don't find yourself in that place of ground zero because you have the knowledge and the tools and the understanding to proactively support yourself before you get to ground zero. Yeah. And do you have tools in your program that anyone can contact you to to use, to learn, um, 
what what can my listeners reach out to you for? Yeah, I have lots of tools in that program. That's what it is geared towards. It is there to teach you the tools and offer support to you over 16 weeks. I also work one-on-one with clients. There's an option within my Mind Body Initiative, that 16-week group program, to also have one-on-one calls with me on top of the group calls. Um, And then I see people in person. So I'm now located in the greater Boulder and Denver area. I'm smack in the middle of the two. So I can support anyone in Boulder and anyone in Denver. I have an office and I can travel to people and see them um, in their home as well. And I offer body work. I offer pain management and rehabilitation support. A lot of people come to me for a modality called ANF therapy, uh, which you've experienced, um, mm-hmm. which can massively support the healing process, downregulate pain and inflammation, and immediately reduces the experience of pain and yeah, supports the body in healing faster. And so if anybody's curious um, or is more interested in learning about the different ways I might be able to be of support, they can certainly reach out to me um, on my website, leahdrew.com. And on Instagram, I am at mindbodywithleah. And if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can do that too. And my Facebook's Leah Drew. Yeah, that's that's my Facebook. <laughs> and uh, for anybody that's more interested in just like continuing to receive free information, I have a um, a group, a private group called the Holistic Healing Tribe. And when you sign up for my emails and newsletters, you'll be automatically added into the Holistic Healing Tribe, where you can meet other people that are navigating their own healing journeys and gain some tips and tricks around how you can continue to heal better and move better and feel better and just love the life that you're living just a little bit more. Mm. Mm. I love that. That should be your tag tagline. Love the life you're living a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have done so much work with you. I've been incredibly grateful for, um, you know, we're both healers and, and getting to share and swap our expertise with each other. So I can definitely attest to the modalities that you offer are powerful and create incredible shifts and ANF can immediately remove that pain, diminish that pain, get different symptoms online um, that weren't necessarily firing and everything you offer is brilliant. Highly recommend you. And Mm. yeah, look forward to supporting you further. We'll have all of your website, everything linked up in the show notes And, um, yeah, I thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here in Boulder so that you and I can exchange massage and body work again, because I miss that. Me too. Me too. And we'll be recording a podcast episode in person and probably looping in our other, uh, other half or other third Val. (laughs) Oh, that Val. Yeah, you guys are going to love her. She's an extreme strategist and astrologist. Mm-hmm. She's a mental toughness coach, essentially. Uh, she can spot the synchronicities in everything. And I love her. God, I just I love, love that, too. Val. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited to have you. And Barrett, thank you for having me again. I always love being here and connecting with you and just riffing on all of the things. I love you so much. I love you as well. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and review this podcast wherever you're listening. I'm so grateful to have you on this journey with me. Until next time.